in today's segment of The Crucible, titled Business Models for Social Enterprises. Andile and Liso unpack some of the most popular business models that can be employed to effectively position your venture or organization as a social enterprise. They draw comparisons between business models and recipes. However, Thomas Keller once said, a recipe has no soul. You as the cook must bring soul to the recipe. Enjoy. Through this podcast, we seek to create a space, a space of refuge for entrepreneurs taking their first few steps into the severe test and trial that is entrepreneurship. The Crucible, a podcast by Andile and Liso. Welcome back, welcome back to The Crucible. In the previous episode, we talked a bit about the social entrepreneurship journey. We've also looked at some business models and models in general, spoke about revenue models a bit, spoke about beneficiary models a bit, in specific um, three business models for social enterprises. And today we want to jump a bit into that space to look at other models. But over and above that, we want to show you some examples of case study organizations that are really, really trailblazers in the space. But before I get into this topic, uh, I want us to give me an opportunity to one day to recap us or to say what stood out in the previous episode. And those guys who are joining us for the first time, why should they go back? Um, I think for me in the last episode, we had quite a mouthful. A lot of concepts, abbreviations being thrown around. We tried to break them down a little bit. And I don't believe they were overly complex, um, but I think they, they add a lot of value to the discussion. And what stood out for me was that, simply put, a social entrepreneur is an entrepreneur, and an entrepreneur should be a social entrepreneur, um, especially in, in the times, the country, the continent, that we live on there's a million and one challenges and problems and difficulties and pains that need to be solved and each of those problems each of those difficulties each of those pains that we experience as south africans as africans Hmm. and global citizens all over are an opportunity for an entrepreneur to really taken advantage and serve you know when i look at businesses it's all about serving and and that's generally at the heart of social entrepreneurs and we spoke about um being uh, about social entrepreneurs being people or entrepreneurs that have people at heart Um, and for me that's what stood out um that we we sought to debunk or dismiss the notion that um, a social entrepreneur isn't quote-unquote a real entrepreneur. Um, and, and for me, that's really what stood out. If you're an entrepreneur, you're an entrepreneur. If you're serving a need, you're an entrepreneur. As long as you found a way to monetize and serve at the same time without moving away from your mission, you're an entrepreneur. Um, and No one type of entrepreneur should feel less significant than another for me that's really what stood out but for me i feel like social entrepreneurs are you know um, kind of a different breed specifically looking at the fact that you tackle um 
two issues simultaneously as one individual who struggles with uh, multitasking uh, for some odd reason uh, you know um, social entrepreneurship has found a place in my heart and I don't know why but anyway we are going to be going into these models just to recap um, we've spoken um, in the previous episode about um, a model that employs um, the certain vulnerable groups within the business which we've then termed as uh, you know an employee model we've also looked at uh, you know what we termed a co-aggregating go-to-market model which you know some of the academics or the theorists will, will tell you that uh, it's got a few models intertwined in between there um, talking about building entrepreneurs but also talking about uh, access or market intermediary model some have called it that um, and then last but not least we we, we then also looked at uh, you know the consumer whereby you are actually selling the social value that you are creating to the end user so those were the three that we started with in this episode, I want to dive a bit deeper, look at um, different ones and then um, also look at um, where they are most commonly used. In this one, I want to start with one that we call the subsidized uh, product or the subsidized service um, in terms of this is a model whereby we, we've got our product and we've got our service and due to its very nature, um we we are unable to monetize it because of uh, the target audience that is supposed to be using this product or service so what we we then do is we price it in such a way that we we, we are social in our pricing whereby one we sell the same value to another um customer base um, or a slightly varied uh, value or product to a different customer base um, and in doing that we are then able to derive uh, some financial gains from that and we then use the financial gains to subsidize the cost of the service or product to the existing market I'm saying hey we'll supply bread to high-end restaurants hotels and so forth so that we can then be able to sell a loaf of bread for five rand in the local community so that that's that model we're basically using another clientele or another revenue source or stream or another customer segment to be able to subsidize the um, social mission and um, the core customer i want to call them the core customer even though they're not the one that's paying the most but they are the one that are part of our mtp we want to supply them a certain service but we, they can't afford that service so i think that's another really really powerful one because people always ask I've got this wonderful product that I want to give to my community. I want to give to uh, my clients. But um, I always feel like they they can't really afford what I'm, what I'm selling them. They can't afford the products or service that I'm manufacturing. Um, so a perfect model for that is then typically to use a sponsored implementation model. Whereby, so, uh, sorry, a, 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 I'm now confusing the models subsidized model another one that just before you move on um as you're explaining and, and and going through um or breaking down that subsidy or subsidized model 
I'm thinking and I'm what I want to share is a lot of you know what what I found difficult was especially very early in my in my time at varsity was linking all these theories and so on to actually real life solutions and real life context and when I think about it um in economics they talk about price discrimination say those that are willing and able to pay a thousand dollars for a product sell it to them for that price and those that are only able to pay 200 um, dollars for the product sell it to them at that price but they don't break it down to say you know this is how it fits into the business model um, or this is how you use the i think that the, the example that they used, which didn't make sense at the time, was um, airline tickets. Um, and, and they spoke about how when you, you know, book earlier, you plan in advance, you find your tickets, you know, much cheaper. But the closer you get to the date, the more expensive it is. And the, another example was also around electricity prices. I'm not sure if it's the case in South Africa. Um, but those that are in more affluent areas or of a certain economic or social class are charged a slightly higher rate, um, such as to subsidize for those that are a bit lower on that sliding scale. Yes, it is like that, um, because specifically in areas where you find um, it's the local municipality that actually manages um, the electricity tariffs and the likes, um, they are perhaps uh, procuring it directly from ESCOM and then the community doesn't have an opportunity to necessarily procure the, the electricity from ESCOM. The municipality then gives it at a rate which they feel um, is affordable um, within their communities. But typically they'll give it at the same rate for the entire um, you know, constituency. However, if you then look at it, one municipality will price it differently to another. And overall, if you look at things like um, the economic activities and their contributions to the provincial, national GDPs, you'll find that uh, affluency and general uh, economic standing is different in those municipalities and it affects how they price um, and, you know, um, their electricity, their water and, and the likes, you know, some of indigenous communities. Mm. But that, that would be, an, I think, a, a perfect example of, of the discrimination pricing in terms of uh, from a government or public servants and one that speaks to us on a daily. Um, to move on to the next model, and, and I think this one is even more, more popular, um, it's really, really common with uh, those who perceive themselves as as, 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 as charities or NGOs, which is then the sponsored implementation model. For so long as people are still viewing this as, you know, a, a, a grant or, or donation and not a clear source of revenue, then the mindset is, is still putting them into uh, the part whereby they are viewed as, as charities. Yeah. However, in this model where we talked about sponsored implementation model is whereby you say, really there's a product or a service of value which i believe that um, they it only believe belongs to and can only be used or be offered to one customer segment 
However, that customer segment or that targeted community has no means to be able to afford it. Though when they receive it, you know, there are certain, you know, trickle-down effects and in terms of the economics of that, in terms of the social mobility and the likes. However, they can't afford it in terms of when they need to make, you know, uh, according to Maslow, those uh, primary decisions about what they need to get first. They would likely prefer to buy bread instead of paying for a certain training or attending a certain workshop. Um, you then go and speak to corporates, you know, big corporates in the country, big corporates globally and say, look, we understand that according to your responsibilities as imposed on you by legislation in some countries, but in some spaces as imposed in you um, uh, optionally by codes such as King 4 and the likes, you guys are supposed to be giving back to the stakeholders that... Um, uh, are contributing to your creating the value that you're creating. So people residing in and around your places of operations, your factories, labor sending communities, etc., etc. And uh, we then say we are going to be running a program there and it is therefore um, an opportunity for you to pay for this product or service that we are going to be offering to that community because you are doing your part in terms of uh, plowing back to people who are part of your stakeholder audience and in doing so they then sponsor the full implementation but you've got a clear pricing to say for this amount this is the number of trainings that we are going to run these are the outcomes that we are going to get and literally it would have been the same as if you were paying or they were paying for 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 your organization or your entity to um provided that service or product to their mother body or their main company. Um, it's not watered down because it's going to someone who's not paying for it, but it's just the model that you're using to capture value. I think that one is, you know, um, the one that we know as grants and uh, the likes. And with many organizations that do it, again, it's one that I'm going to be critical of. It's one that I've seen these organizations beginning to... Um, for quite a, a long time make it a tick box exercise because again we've got a CSI commitment of 1% of our revenue we then need to use that revenue of 1% but whether the organizations that um, actually come to us and are approved for these grants actually deliver the value that they promise or they um, actually reach the outcomes that they promise when they, they make their you know value proposition known to us uh, we're not bothered by that and that that's really an uh, something that is uh, you know um, threatening this uh, industry of of, of 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 social entrepreneurship and I think later we'll get into a bit about King four and, and what it says. Uh, in this regard of, uh, you know, uh, tick box exercises and um, it's beginning to talk about a principle that they've put in, you know, they, they've had, you know, about 75 principles in King 3 that spoke to good governance, uh, you know, um, being able to take care of the relative stakeholders that you have, etc. But in King 4, they've then changed that and said, they're only turning it down to 17, um, but in the past where they said you either apply these uh, principles or explain, 
and now they are saying you must apply and explain so there's no option to say uh, if you've done it um, then there's no need for you to follow through and explain and check now they are saying apply and explain they are not saying apply or explain why you haven't applied mm. so in the past that, that that's how it's been in most of these spaces whereby these exercises of development specifically uh, within you know supply development or csi people are saying we've done it so we don't need to explain explain if it's successful or not um and then in the previous uh, version of king that was that was a lot whereas now they're saying apply and explain. explain so whether you have to do it but you also have to explain so which is uh, you know something that we're going to be diving into those principles and and how they really affecting you know big business and how startups um, which are looking to employ some of these models can basically begin to take a shot at those opportunities that this platform opportunities um, bring i think um just just a note there for me um while you're noting down that you know in subsequent episodes we'll talk about some of these um uh, statutes or regulations or guides um you mentioned the maslow you know so some of us don't know who maslow <laughs> is we don't know what you know so maybe just a note to say let's break it down perhaps in, in that in that um in that episode um you know we're referring to Mm-hmm. Maslow's hierarchy of needs and, and and we can get into it you know what it means and how it affects uh, different mm-hmm. people etc um just just to note that down and say we need to break it down we we're not here to you know our audience must feel you know part and 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 have mm-hmm. comfort and and the ease of understanding of of some of these things so just to remind each other now if i mention something just mm-hmm. to say hey maybe just maybe Andy yeah. out there you know needs need some support mm-hmm. and, and additional you know explanations and guidance mm-hmm. i think it, it 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 serves us well and it also helps us to learn you know you've got your area of expertise i've got mine and and even for me I, i'm interested in diving a little bit deeper in into that king four and, and i have a few questions um and and i think um it's worthwhile for for, for our listeners as well definitely definitely um we will be um expanding a bit more and i think some of these uh, topics and concepts what we'll be doing is really looking to include them in our um show notes in terms of further reading material further videos that you can consult um and ensuring that we don't just you know dump you with jargon and um, leave you there that's not why we've created this platform we've created this platform as we've said to be a place of refuge for people who are facing the trials and tribulations of um, entrepreneurship you know um, people who are in the crucible so um, we've looked at now two models um, which um, one we've called mainly um, the sponsored uh, implementation model um another model we've called um the subsidized model and then i think the last one that we're going to touch on there's a quite a lot of these models i think um at the top of my head i can count out nine but for now we'll, we'll dive into about about three we'll then look at 
practical examples of these in use, specifically in organizations that are doing really well in the space. So the third one that I'm going to look at is, is one which um, we have seen quite a lot in our spaces, though not applied 100%. It's um, the membership or cooperative model. This model is, is, is one where, you know, uh, it's membership-based. You are deriving primarily majority of your revenue from creating a membership program, um, a program that, uh, you know, benefits its members, um, whether it's access to certain information, access to certain curricula, access to certain opportunities as or by virtue of being you know members of the program um, however your primary revenue stream then begins to be membership fees so people pay to be part of the network and if you look at it critically you begin to see parallels um, between it and you know the co-aggregating model we spoke about which others would call a market intermediary uh, model so you but in terms of market intermediary mainly um, you speak to um, buying products and uh, co-aggregating them to take them to market whereas in this one when we talk about membership you you want to dive a whole lot deeper into uh, the individual entrepreneur or entrepreneur support programs it's another example of this model whereby we say look we want to take care of the people that are members we want to take off the care of them holistically whether it's ensuring that they've got access to personal growth opportunities, whether it's ensuring that they've got access to mental health services, whether it's ensuring that they are having access to market, as we've already said. Typical examples are like professional bodies um, and associations, you know, associations for black business, you know, associations for black accountants and the likes. These guys have got a clear revenue model and they've got a clear talent that they need to be uh, uh, harnessing and they've also then have um, that uh, revenue stream in terms of, of membership being their primary feeder we've said for you to be a social entrepreneur revenue meaning someone paying for your for your service needs to be um, at the core of what you do those are the three core models um, uh, and the next one is, is you know these models are intertwined there's nuances or small differences between them but um, when you really look at them you can borrow from this element and this element and come up with your own model and, and that's why business modeling or coming up with a recipe for your for your successful operation of your enterprise or social enterprises such you know a delicacy um you know uh, that you, you add different spices different things to make it palatable to different um, target audience or to different entrepreneurs so there's no one size fits all but this one is also another one that's a really popular way by you deal with the client this one is called you know uh, entrepreneur development or entrepreneur support so many organizations doing it out there um, but there's different ways to monetize it so there's one organization i think that's doing this really really well and i think i'll afford you put it the opportunity to maybe you know educate us a bit about this you know share what you've learned in reviewing this organization and um, you know we'll listen and learn so we you know we've looked across um different businesses enterprises 
in South Africa on the continent that are doing really great things um, uh, in in the social entrepreneurship space. And maybe just to start off with a, a bit of a disclaimer, um, it's not a sponsored podcast or a sponsored episode. Um, they didn't pay us, um, but they're doing really good work and, and we feel the need to give them a bit of a shout out. Um, so we, we've looked at um, Yoko. Um, many of you will or may have come across a card machine somewhere. Most of them are blue or black with blue. A small card machine at, uh, you know, small micro businesses um, and so on. Um, and they are basically a a commerce or a payments business. Um, they help to facilitate payments um, and they're focused on what we call small businesses, um, according to the founders. And, you know, listening to the founders speak, reading some material on them, you can see that in their mission, at the very core of the business, is a desire to delight customers. And they've clearly defined who their users are. You know, when, when you listen to them, I, I, I certainly haven't come across them saying, we're a social enterprise. Um, they position themselves as a payments business. But if you look at the way that they operate and some of the work that they do outside just the machine um, or their online uh, payments platform. There's a lot of other things that they do that don't necessarily uh, result in, or they don't necessarily bring in revenue, but somewhere, somehow down the line, there's someone that is uh, benefiting from it. And in turn, um, you know, down the value chain, there is some benefit for for the company. Um, so it's not we do this and it's going to bring money in. Yes, they sell the machines. Yes, you can use their online platform, uh, payments platform. Um, but outside of that, there's other things that they do. So if we look at Yoko as a company, um, you know, they've got over two hundred thousand merchants, um, and they specify small businesses that rely on Yoko to get paid. That is a massive, massive market. And what they've said is, you know, there's there's millions of businesses in the country. I think they counted about 6 million, according to their research. And they seek to address about a thousand of those. But if we dive a bit, a bit deeper into their model, you know, they've uh, already captured an audience of about 200,000 small businesses. Um, they've transacted... Uh, over a billion dollars uh, through their different platforms. Um, you know, and, and you ask yourself, how then is this a social enterprise or an example of a social enterprise? But as I say, you look at some of the stuff that they're doing outside of, you know, the payments business, um, the support that they give to entrepreneurs in South Africa in particular, um, I know there's a desire to go across the continent if they haven't already, you know, they, they move at, at quite a high speed, but they've said from the very beginning, 
We want to help micro and medium enterprises. What do you want to do? We want to delight them. Um, and over and above giving them access to or giving them an opportunity to accept card payments, they host what they call Yoko Meets. Um, and it's basically a, a community of entrepreneurs that they've built. Um, many of those entrepreneurs are obviously um, users of their services and products. Um, but the opportunity is um, for entrepreneurs to come and cry. You know, a, a safe space for entrepreneurs where they can come they can share their hardships and share their pain um, and cry, you know, and, and they bring in, um, I won't call them experts, but people that have managed to navigate the waters and the waves of entrepreneurship. And these pioneers and, and leading lights um, within the entrepreneurship space are able to provide a little bit of comfort a little bit of advice and guidance um, to those that are starting out or those that have started out well and, and, and now have hit a bit of a, uh, a pothole or a speed bump and, and need, you know, a bit of a push uh, in order for them to keep going. And I think in subsequent episodes, we will bring some people that have had firsthand experience of um, the Yoko meets and what it's done for them. But really, you know, as, as a person going through a journey and referring back to, to episode two, we spoke about environmental, social, cultural missions. Their economic mission is clear, but they've got the social uh, mission that is to help and support entrepreneurs. And there are many other companies that are doing similar um things or are doing great things in the space but these guys if you listen to them speak and you look at their material you look at their social media come onto their website you see exactly how pivotal or how central entrepreneurs are to their mission you know they specifically they, you know they don't talk about businesses yes they've got big a few big businesses that are clients to them and that use their services, but they always talk about entrepreneurs. And remember we said the entrepreneur is someone who sees the gap and seeks to address the gap or the pain and takes on all those uncertainties. You know, once you've built up and you're employing 50, 100 uh, plus people, you know, you, you've got some room to to maneuver, you've got, you know, some airbags to absorb the shocks or financial airbags to absorb the shocks. But if you are running a a one man or a one woman business, it's very difficult, you know, to keep that business running when you hit those snags. Where do you get the support? Where do you find like minded people that have per that are perhaps in that? bit of a valley or, or dip that you find yourself in or um, in that, uh, you know, in that storm, um, some of whom have navigated, some are in that storm, you know, and, and they've built this platform and since COVID, they've taken it digital um, and they haven't stopped supporting entrepreneurs and they're trying to find 
new ways and better ways to make the platform more accessible um, to to entrepreneurs. Um, and I think for me, they are, especially among the South African startups, uh, I'm not sure if they're still classified as a startup today. Um, I mean, they, they are what, I think they were, they were launched in, in the 2012s, 2013s, um, and that's less than 10 years ago. But they've grown so fast that, you know, some of us don't even consider them as a startup anymore. But along their journey, they've kept entrepreneurs central um, to what they do um, and to the activities. You know, I thought you were about to say that. I thought you were about to say um, they've kept them sane. Uh, They have. You know, I, I I was trying to find the right word. I was trying to find the right word, you know. I'm trying to, you know, mm. do justice to the work that they've done. Mm. You know, I know people, I haven't personally um, been through their meets, you know, three, four of them. I think I've attended one or two. Um, but people that are there, um, you know, week in, week out, um, I think it's a monthly platform. I stand corrected. Um, but at those intervals, people that have been there for months and months and have benefited, they've definitely kept sane uh, or kept them sane or helped them. Uh, to to regain their sanity, you know, with everything that came with COVID and the pandemic um, and the lockdowns. If you remember the first lockdown, people weren't even allowed to go to restaurants, you know, and... and, and people weren't even allowed to go jogging. Exactly. Right? You know, you couldn't go jogging, <laughs> exercise, you know, you couldn't, um, you know, throw in some liquid just to relax. You had to stay at home and and they've, <laughs> they've literally made a way, you know, for entrepreneurs mm. to keep their sanity, to maintain their sanity, in some cases to regain, you know, when you've got an, uh, a network that you can go to and you can say, guys or, or, or ladies or whoever's on the platform, I've struggled. I've really struggled. This is the space that I'm in. Um, you know, I, 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 the, the, the meet that I was on, uh, you know, at the very beginning, they always ask everyone, even before they introduce their guests, type a little intro in the meeting chat. Tell us about your business, who you are, what your business does. You know, a bit of an intro. And as you're sitting, you know, on the Zoom or what, whatever platform they're using at the point in time, you can see a myriad of different businesses, you know, some which you can partner with, some which, which you can buy from. Um, and, and they've built that network and and people are at the center of it you know and for me they're really really a standout business or enterprise that has really put people at the center of what they do and they've built their company from the ground up for people you and me our aunts our uncles our parents our siblings um that are trying to get our businesses off the ground. They have provided a safe space for us. And, and I, I really want to give them a shout out for, for the work that they've done. I think you've, you've, you've just said something so profound there. And, 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 and I didn't um, be doing our listeners justice if I didn't jump into that just to reemphasize that these guys have built their organization in terms of it being, you know, humans and uh, built for people from the ground up and you know me very well i love um, it when social impact um, or impact in general um, 
is by design. And these guys, um, from what I've read of them, is that they, from the onset, looked at, uh, you know, um, the bank card penetration and SMMEs in terms of receiving bank transaction payments. And they set out to say, we are going to address this key issue for people. And uh, though you might say it's businesses, but for the longest part, it's people. Some of them are not even registered, you know, the spaza shops and so forth, and they were missing out on revenue. And they said, we are going to solve this issue for people. And by design, they set to solve an issue for people. They didn't say, hey, we want to come up with another fancy payment method or payment gateway, you know. And that's why they didn't really um, uh, look at saying smartphones and the likes and even though they started there, as the more they're building it up and building it up, they are more and more making it accessible to people even outside, um, you know, the smartphone penetration rate. So for me, um, by design, is very, very important or key element of an enterprise. And that's why we had singled them out as one of the trailblazers in the space to say, yes, you are not uh, positioning yourself or you are not shouting yourself out as uh, a social enterprise. But by design, when we look at how you operate, how you target your customers, you are definitely setting yourself out to tackle a key problem and to create social mobility and to create change for people. And, and for those very reasons, um, these guys are amongst those that are doing really 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 well i just want to share something interesting there as as just as we look to close the feature of of um of yoko um listening to the, to the founders speak um they mentioned that at a point i think they were at about 5000 merchants or 5000 users at that point where they found that uh Quite a number of their users are actually bigger business and are not necessarily part of um, that targeted audience that they identified, you know, at the very beginning. And and you listen to them speak, and they say they took a conscious decision to double down to, to not 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 that they take the service away from uh, so called big business, but they double down to say, yes, we're getting big business but we're not getting enough of small business. And how do we adjust ourselves to penetrate even further and get the service to be more accessible to those that need it the most? You know, and, and it's it's incredible um, to hear um, what what they've done and, and the thinking, you know, the, the, the brains behind the business, their headspace and their focus and their outlook on life, enterprise, entrepreneurship in general really for me really a standout enterprise and i think you know i, I do th no you can jump in i, I do think um i do think uh for, for me personally um with anyone in the entrepreneurship space when you begin to see the focus on, on, on the goal begin to see it being targeted um, it's, it's something that's, you know, something to behold. It's something to be marveled at when someone is really clear from the onset in terms of this is what I'm setting out to do. This is what I, I am uh, going to do. 
and regardless of uh, success that I might achieve in other spaces, I'm not going to be deterred against my primary goal of achieving this uh, certain type of outcome. And I think that's something that's really, really important. I think it's a conversation that we need to double down on and dive into. And I think if um, we, we, we want to do our viewers a bit of service, we need to set out to say the next episode needs to really talk about the importance of knowing um, your, your success matrix, the importance of um, knowing your true north and really how do you then set out to go into that. I know we've talked about it in the previous episode, but I think it warrants its own episode. 100% agree. And, you know, when I look at it, um, and I've said this, there's many other organizations, businesses, enterprises, whatever you, that are doing wonderful things for for the people of this country and this continent. Um and and you know the the world at large um but you know those that as you say have set out from no no you said by design uh, that's the term that i want to use those that do it by design um for me are are the ones that really deserve the shout out um and and you know, you can find many different examples, um, and 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 I think if if I look back on on some of the concepts that we've talked talked about in this particular episode, it says as an entrepreneur, um, building a business, a solution that is centered around people or centered around your targeted users, it, it, it inadvertently, um, I don't want to say guarantees, but it, it guarantees your success. You know, if you give those people a certain type of feeling, I think we said in the previous episode, value is, is, is a feeling. And it once you give a person a certain type of feeling, you're almost guaranteed, or let me not say guaranteed, it increases the probability of converting those people into customers, into suppliers, and bringing them into your network to add value back into your business. Um, and, and, and that's the beauty about social entrepreneurs. It's not just about servicing people, but those people that you've serviced in one way or another, whether they speak about you, whether they come back and buy from you or pay for your service, there's some value exchange that comes back into the business, um, you know, and, and, and for me, that's that's really a standout. And, and that's for me, I think, to, to close it up, why it's important to be having a certain product or service that you're trading for you to be a social entrepreneur. So even if you give people a certain social service or a certain feeling that's not necessarily something that you're trading in, it then gives them the opportunity to come back into your core business and add value through purchasing or becoming a customer or it then gives them an opportunity to go and refer your core business to another client 
that could potentially purchase from you. Whereas if you don't have that element and you're just a charity, it therefore means the more referrals you get, you know, the more expenses you get because it's someone else that needs to be serviced uh, without necessarily a, a clear revenue model. So it's important for you not to only know the social issue that you want to solve, but to be very clear about the value that you're creating and how you're going to be capturing that value. And that is the essence of business models. And that's the essence of what Yoko has done. And that's the essence of what any successful enterprise would do. And I think by now you're beginning to see that any enterprise can be a social enterprise and any social enterprise is a mainstream enterprise. And if we do nothing else but show you that, um, we, I think we've done our job for the first season of this podcast. Over and above that, um, uh, it's been wonderful again sharing our ideas with you. We trust that you'll join us in the next episode where we'll be really talking and diving into a bit of matrix and how you measure this impact that we've been talking about, how you set out from the beginning by design to be able to achieve what we've termed your true north. Thank you. Thank you and goodbye.